Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I will be hosting our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with various authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work has influenced the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we'll explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency and understanding for each and every learner. Thank you so much for listening in. Today, PEBC's Director of Leadership, Scott Murphy, is joining us to talk about the role of leadership in creating classrooms, schools, and systems that cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for students, teachers, and leaders. Scott is well known for his blogs and vlogs about leadership and facilitation, his development of the Futures Protocol, and his dynamic seminars and institutes. When Scott is not working in schools, you might find him rock climbing, cycling, playing his guitar, or talking to his garden. <laughs> Scott, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Michelle, I'm good. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you. I love this. It's going to be great. So, Scott, I know you have a really rich history in education. I love to hear your stories about your time in the classroom, your time as a principal. I know you've even been a district level, level leader. Uh, you've also even taught abroad. And currently, in your role as you know, director of leadership, you spend a lot of time with school and district leaders. And so I'm really curious, what are you noticing? Um, how are our leaders doing right now? It's really, it's really funny. So as I thought about um, our conversation today, uh, I was in my front room and I've got a great big picture window in my front room. And I was watching a woman walk by with her dog and she was walking along and, you know, just like anyone would be walking their dog, dogs out in front. And then the dog kind of stalls out at this one little spot and she keeps walking. And the next thing I look and she's trying to drag the dog forward and the dog will have nothing to do with it. And then the <laughs> dog starts a little bit. She takes one more step forward. Boom. The dog stops again. Her arm goes backwards. And I watched that. And all of a sudden my gear started cranking. And I think that's a little bit of the leadership world right now. And so we had this time where school was moving along. We knew everything that we were working on and the flow and the pace and then March hits. And what was so fascinating about that, Michelle, was all the leaders wanted to do and could do was logistics and structures and how do we keep our heads above water? And in one week, how are we going to do what we for seven years have been unable to do with virtual platforms and all of that sort of stuff? And so everything just stopped and almost and leaders didn't want anything to do with me. And then we got later in April and into May, and now the conversations have shifted significantly. And this whole sense of, so what do we do next? What will school be next? How do we create forward momentum? Um, and what's been really interesting about that is, while districts are focused still obviously on logistics and distance between desks, and how are we gonna sanitize, and are we gonna be back full, Leaders want to talk about purpose. They want to talk mm. about vision again. They want to talk about energy. They want to talk about community. So I feel like I'm in the enviable space right now of being able to host the conversations about purpose, not structure and logistics, but the deeply laden spaces um, of why do our schools exist? And in this iteration that they will now be, how are we going to make them meaningful, valuable, beautiful, and not just structural? Wow, Scott, that's really inspiring. I mean, you know, I think back to March and I think about when the pandemic first hit. 
everything was logistics. You're right. We were mm-hmm. everyone in their households, in their occupations, in their schools, with their children, travel. I mean, everything revolved around the how, like really what are we going to do next and how are we going to do it? And so thinking about our leaders, our school leaders and our district level leaders and those instructional coaches, just having that huge load of logistics. But then that shift that you just mentioned is so interesting into purpose and vision. And you know, why are we here? What is it? What are we doing with schools? I'm really curious um, from your perspective, what are some of the core dispositions that leaders can lean into during this time of crisis or this next phase of the crisis, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even naming it as such, Michelle, with the idea of crisis is, I think one of the first things a leader needs to do is do reframing and go ahead and acknowledge that there is a crisis and in any crisis is opportunity for growth and change. And like, you also need to think like name the crisis. Is the crisis the pandemic or is the crisis also the things we're experiencing culturally, uh, racially, uh, with bias and equity and, and color and all of those sorts of things? So I think the first thing a, a leader does is going to begin to reframe. What are the opportunities that are built into this time? And so things that we're thinking about would be what is the larger purpose? So attending to a larger purpose is a disposition I know I speak to a lot. And so what is the larger purpose that exists now? We're going to get a lot of messages that our purpose is very tight and are and very, very constricted into platforms and logistics and structures. But the reality is I can reframe that to our purpose is much bigger than that. It's going to be about critical thinking. It's going to be about creating humanity amongst and within um, our staff, within our, ourselves, within cultures. It's going to be able to navigate language and change and growth and all of those sorts of things. And then what does that mean for me as a leader in attending and bringing about that thinking in the midst of ambiguity and navigating ambiguity? So attending to a larger purpose would be one. I think another disposition that is so essential right now is listening for understanding and being the model and the lead of someone who listens to those around him or her and seeks understanding, which would mean that we're asking critical questions. We're asking questions to build other people's capacity. Layered into that would then also be demonstrating empathy and compassion, that we are in a space of not driving forward an agenda and stuffing people into small boxes, but that we are in a space of appreciating them, learning about them, watching them, seeking understanding of them, and then trying to, honestly, Michelle, put these two pieces together. Here's our large purpose that's vision-laden, that's mission-laden, and here's the individual in that space, and how do I, as a leader, bring those two worlds thoughtfully together such that it's shared and not just my vision or theirs? The complexities are all there, but I think that's those are the things that I'm thinking about. I know leaders are thinking about in terms of their dispositions. And I'll just layer one last one, being a continuous learner. I I, I can't think of another time in our professional lives, our educational lives, where we need to be as much learner as knower and director of things. We We have to be very, very aware of the changing things around us. Oh, so Scott, when I think about that idea around that those dispositions and the dispositions that leaders might bring to their schools, to their district, um, you know, when we think about some of our informal instructional leaders, they might also hold this these same dispositions. Absolutely. So 
I think what I'm hearing is that this the idea of purpose is critical. Absolutely. Really holding that as 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 almost like a filter or a guide. Like this, we're crystal clear on our purpose. We're crystal clear on our vision. Mm-hmm. But within that, we need to be really mindful of the people that we're supporting. We need to have empathy. We need to have compassion. Our ears need to be wide open. We need to be listening. And then it sounds like we also need to be curious as learners because there's so much information to take in and the information is changing all the time that we really need to be thoughtful in terms of that continuous learning and and what we're finding out. That feels spot on. I mean, that really does. That feels spot on right there. So if I hold those dispositions or if I'm you know really striving as a leader to cultivate those dispositions and I'm thinking, you know, school is starting. I might not know what it looks like or what it's going to sound like, but come August or September, there's going to be a first quote unquote day of school. What are some of the challenges or the le- that leaders might face as school resumes in August and September? And how might those dispositions help leaders navigate some of those, those different challenges? Oh, you know, it, it, as you say, like we'll have a starting date, right? But it's like, right. what are what are we starting? <laughs> that's almost like the piece, and I think that's so interesting. I mean, it's, it's almost like a like we've been in this river for so long. Education, right or wrong, has been in a pretty known space and flowing along. And we've thrown pebbles in there. We might have dropped a bigger boulder in there once in a while, but it's a known river that generally is at a path. I think we can acknowledge at this stage we have banks that have crumbled down. We have big boulders that have rolled off the hill and are sitting smack dab in the middle of this flow. That to me is is where we are in this sort of space right now is when August and September comes, what is the navigation in an ambiguous space, right? What is the navigation in the ambiguous space? And so I think that's leader's greatest challenge is going to be how do I help people live in ambiguity with purpose and meaning. And so a few things that come to mind for me is as leaders start is I've got to make sure I'm to redevelop and re-energize community. That I can't just lay out all of the sheets and layers of here are the steps. If we put people in tight boxes, it is so fragile because ultimately as a leader, I can't hold on to everything, especially in a virtual arena where they're even further away from my fingertips. I need people to walk with purpose as individuals during a time of ambiguity. So we have to think about how is a community going to hold us together? How are we going to reaccess our values and beliefs and get down to why am I in this profession? What is it that drives me in my work with students? What is it that I seek to grow in myself and others? And host those conversations so that when that really nice plan that we finally got together at the back end of July and beginning of August begins and we know the dynamics of of design is once it's implemented, it it begins to erode. It's going to fall apart. It's not going to play out the way we crossed our T's and dotted our I's. What's going to hold it together? Individuals who walk in purpose, a school and a community that holds itself together in relationship and rapport and meaning. So I'm going to work on those things, beliefs, values, community, strive for those things, work with those things, facilitate those things early on, along with all the logistics and those sorts of things. I think it's it has a greater opportunity to sustain. 
The other thing though, Michelle, that really stands out for me that I need to be thinking about as a leader when school starts is um, I need to be able to address things like fear and energy, those things that are a little bit more amorphous and not as tangible, but I think people are going to be walking in fear. They're going to be walking in physical fear into spaces. If we do come back together into classrooms, that will go all the way over to parents. And if parents begin choosing to opt into other spaces, that has to do with finances and accountability and enrollment. I mean, I'm going to be juggling those things. There's teachers who are wondering, will my profession exist? And now I'm getting down to identity. So I think we're going to have to be listening and have deep empathy and compassion for the people that are going to be going through things that are much deeper than when are we going to give that test? Deeper than when should I do that unit? we're going to be going down into some pretty deep spaces um, of education and individuals uh, when we get to August and September. So what you just named as an obstacle is ambiguity. Yeah. It's that idea that we cannot foresee everything. We can't control everything. We can't build the perfect master schedule. We can't align our units as teachers the way we have in the past. Um, I really appreciate the way you mentioned fear Mm. because I think, you know, that just made me emotional just listening to you talk um, because I think that's real. I think um, everyone's very fearful of what may or may not happen or occur in their own families and within their schools and within their vocations and within their own identity. Um, So when you think about that idea of walking with purpose. Yeah. How, how do you support your colleagues or your staff from a remote perspective in order to really bolster that purpose so that regardless of the shape and structure of your school or your classroom, everyone's walking with that purpose? How might you do that in a virtual space? I know you're a master facilitator. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're great at building community when you're thinking about, you know, kind of envisioning some of that work, like you said, end of July, early August, how might I, if I were a school leader or an instructional coach, how can I, how can I foster that for my staff? Because just listening to you made me feel like stronger and tougher and and even more flexible, right? I'm like, yes, it's all about purpose. So as a leadership coach and as an instructional leader yourself, how might you create that opportunity for your staff? No, I love that question, Michelle. I, I think for one, starting with, there's two layers, I think, that precede even the practical piece. One is we have to hold awareness that what we're going to get coming at us as school-based leaders, regardless of principal or, or, or teacher leaders or anything, are going to be those systems pieces that districts need to make sure because they're answering to state, they're answering to CDC, they're answering to whatever. So one is an awareness that that's what we're going to get from them So we need to bring something else. The second is I need to value that. I need to start with a value place that says community, purpose, beliefs, values are actually really important. So I need to hold it as a value. If those two things then become true in the practical sense, I weave that in right away. As a facilitator, I'm going to elevate conversations, whether we start with readings, whether we start with small group conversations in a virtual setting like breakout groups on Zoom. I'm going to bring in the conversation of value and purpose before I layer in rooms, desk spacing, lines, sanitation, et cetera. 
So we're going to go to those spaces. Um, I'm going to demonstrate empathy as a facilitator by asking questions about what they've learned from their last year experience. What are their fears? I mean, let's go ahead. If fear is, is, is a real thing, then what are your fears heading into this? Um, as we've experienced the race and cultural things that have hit, the, hit our society and our table, um, where are people living and sitting with that? So I'm going to be a host of conversation. I'm going to be a facilitator of reflection a model of listening and asking questions. So all those dispositions that we kind of just talked about are going to be publicly elevated in the structures in the first few days of school. And in a virtual setting, like I say, it's, it's allowing people to talk in small groups, not to just listen to the directions, but to talk and process in small groups. And then to bring that back to the fore, that begins to help us shape um, our forward movement. So I think it's very practical facilitation, opportunity, reflection, conversation. Wow. So I'm just thinking if I was, you know, in the shoes of someone that you were supporting and what I just heard was that you're tending to my head, my heart, and my mm. you're Bingo. giving me the information I need so that I feel like I have the answers to my questions. You're, you're like, I, I feel informed you're giving me the logistics that I need, which are like my hands, right? I'm going to know what to do. But mm -hmm. then you're also really speaking to my heart and my emotions and giving me an opportunity to really explore my values and beliefs and my fears and think about what matters most. And so that Michelle, sounds I, like, go ahead. No, no, no. I just, I was going to say, no, I feel like that's the, the two prong piece that as I hear you say that is that the objective is to build the individual's capacity to understand herself or himself, their identity, such that they can move forward as an individual. And then also as a system to demonstrate that piece that I'm gonna cultivate the, the soil, so to speak, so that when we start layering the seeds of the year and we start layering curriculum and we start layering new assessments and we start layering new processes in which we're gonna do school and platforms, that it's on a bedrock of community, uh, humanity, um, individual understanding of oneself with others, purposefulness in education, so that we've revisited the things that are gonna that we're gonna plant our seeds into. Uh, so I think that's a great segue into talking about instruction because mm -hmm. we've talked a lot mm -hmm. about late July, early August, <laughs> getting everyone, you know, getting all the grownups ready and feeling, you know, supported and, and yep. bolstering kids up. up. <laughs> the kids are coming and yes, there's are. an expectation that they're going to be learning. Um, you know, we think about the PEBC teaching framework was just published in Wendy Ward's uh, latest book, Phenomenal Teaching. Mm -hmm. And that PEBC teaching framework is just really a collection of um, what we found out about instruction over the years. We think about bolstering student agency, equity, and understanding. You've really leaned into the strand today of community for adults. Um, we think about you know all the strands of that framework. There's planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment. If I'm a school leader and I want to talk instruction, where do I start? Where do I go? From your perspective, what makes the most sense at this time? Well, if I look at it from the leadership standpoint, right, like I'll go through the leader, leader lens. And 
to no surprise, and we've talked a little bit about this already, that community piece, which is one of the strands, that's that's a starting place. And the thing that the, the reason I would say that's such an important starting place is when we hit our struggle, so to speak, or our crisis last year, it was around spring break, right? March of last year. We had mm-hmm. seven months of community. We had seven months of face-to-face, maybe eight months. We had all of that interpersonal time together. We're starting without any of that to build upon, at least in, in its newest year. And so we've got to be hyper aware of how we're going to create community because that was one of the biggest leverages that I heard from leaders that said sustained us with our parents, with our kids, with each other. So community, no doubt. Um, I think workshop, right out of the gate, I, it's, it's beginning to think I can't be just a deliverer in either platform, live or the other one. I can't just deliver the curriculum. So as a leader, how can I facilitate and model that idea of giving way thinking, giving way conversation, doing some purposeful work up front to get some movement going and then giving way to their reading an article, giving way to them doing it. So there's a modeling piece that I as a leader, we as leaders need to do that work. So workshop really elevates for me. The other one that comes to to the fore is discourse because embedded in discourse is listening and our ability to reconnect as human beings, to reconnect with all that has happened from the time that we kind of broke apart our schools to the time that we're coming back in this next iteration, um, we need to talk to each other. We need to listen to each other. We need to hear each other. We don't need to sit in private spaces and draw up plans for classrooms quite yet. We need to be thinking about it and designing it, but we've got to do it through discourse. So those three strands feel really powerful to me in in where I would lead um, uh, teachers and staff in that space as a model for what would be good in the classrooms as well. Right. So that idea of really bolstering community, you said, you know, being hyper aware of mm. the ways in which we can build a school community. And I think an identity as scholars or as students within that school, totally. then really leveraging the workshop model, because we know in a brick and mortar setting, kids don't want to come to school and just listen to adults talk all day. In a virtual setting, they really don't want to look at the screen (laughs) and listen to adults talk all day. So thinking about that workshop model, in what ways can we adjust our instruction so that we're providing just enough modeling, just enough content so that students can work independently or collaboratively, maybe even in a a more asynchronous environment. But then with that, incorporating discourse which I would guess in a virtual context is going to have to have some component of synchronous time mm-hmm. and some, sure. some ways in which of bringing students together so they can talk and so that they can collaborate. And then, of course, in the classroom, thinking about that as well with physical limitations or whatever those, whatever those parameters might be at what times. If I'm feeling really nervous as a staff member, and this is this is new to me. And I'm thinking, I've got to take all of my content and somehow for the entire year now and and put it into a virtual context. What would a coaching point or a question be that you would have for me so that I would feel like I had some first steps or that I had some efficacy in mm-hmm. terms of developing those three practices of community, workshop, and discourse? 
Oh, that's so good. Um, I think it, I think it goes back to the piece and you summarized it so beautifully of the relationship between broad purpose, vision, mission, school-wide, which includes curriculum and learning to the tight space of the individual. And so um, first, I think it's hosting the conversation and giving that framework and allowing people to recognize that they're going to live in two spaces, what drives them as individuals, but what's also being driven by the bigger piece. So just start with the context there and then really give them a lot of opportunity to say, okay, let's look at the tools that we have. Let's do some prioritizing for ourselves as a school and a staff. We may not be able to work at the same pace in the same exact ways, covering the same exact things as we always have. So therefore, acknowledging our environment and ourselves, what is most important? What's most valuable? Let's drill down to some things that we value most and we know are going to be most important for our kids and for ourselves. With that level of discussion, to me, that would then lead to how might we do that? The great thing about Wendy's book and the phenomenal teaching piece is it offers a lot of self-directedness, right? It's all about growth. And that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. This is about growth. It's not about the same level of accountability right now. So let's get into a growth space. Where do you live in this? What is a piece that gives you energy and excitement? We need energy and excitement in our schools. We need energy and excitement. So where in this framework are you energized as a school what are the couple that we can collaborate on that we think would be valuable and so fundamental and foundational that we can all do it and i think we go two-pronged i think as a leader or as a coach you go two-pronged that which all of us are doing school-wide and we focus on that but also finding the space and hosting the conversation with individuals to do some individual goal setting find energy, find growth opportunities, um, address their fears, and give them some tools that they can be working on simultaneously. So it's not just compliance, it's a little bit of internal growth as well. Wow, so Scott, again, I'm just thinking about head, heart, and hand. You just went right there again <laughs> with thinking about you know how to really support um, right. An individual who might be be struggling or feeling stuck. You know, what are those beliefs? What do you believe in? What's our vision as a school? And then what do you need to learn about? And then what do you need to apply and try? I love that juxtaposition between whole and part, especially yeah. as a staff developer who works in a lot of buildings, recognizing that we can have a school-wide focus, but within that school-wide focus, there's going to be that individual slice that a teacher is going to feel the most excited or energetic about or the most compelled to try or revise in their own practice. You know, the, you mentioned um, Wendy's book, Phenomenal Teaching, and the way it's structured as a tool for growth um, and ind individual growth, which I think is really interesting timing right now. Um, we and Michelle, also mentioned, mm -hmm. isn't it fair to say then, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you just strike it. Isn't it fair to say then our classrooms for our classrooms to thrive, we're going to need students to take individual responsibility for their learning more than ever. We're going to need students to come to the forefront and say, this is what I want to be better at. This is what I'm impassioned by. This is what's going to keep me going when the TV's in the background and my mom's coming and going because she's got work things and I am set on my own path. I've got to find that. And I think we need that with teachers as well. As much as we can parallel our classroom and student pieces and blind ourselves 
from we got adults and kids and all these things to this is about learning and growth mm-hmm. and people finding self-directed spaces in this arena. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And that really is, you know, if you can foster that vision or that energy for the entire mm-hmm. school community, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for families, for guardians, for students, for every, you know, everyone within that, that school context, it could be a really, really beautiful way to manage the ambiguity that that's coming. I mean, as we wrap up today, I'm curious, um, what are your biggest hopes for the 2021 school year? Hmm. I think, I think part of it is what you you just kind of summarized. There is this idea of power of learners that we've had scripts. We've had some tight scripts that we've tried to adhere to. We've, we've lived in a world of accountability. We've navigated many things of external directors. Those will still be in play, but I think we've been given a much wider berth right now for a lot of reasons. It's a, it's the power of learners. How can we turn over learning to the people that most importantly need to hold it, the individuals. And so how do teachers turn learning over to the kids so they can own it? How do leaders turn learning over to the teachers so they can own it? How do we get in that space and still hold it in a sphere that allows us to be collaborative, allows it to be part of an individual community? That That's going to be a great journey this year. Um, I think this is a year of reflection and and a deep reflection and purposefulness about are we in a cataclysmic title shift in education as a whole? I've heard Bob Marzano say some things. I've heard Peter DeWitt say some things. I've heard that we might be there. I don't know. I've seen things look cataclysmic and fall back to what they've been. It'll be really powerful to see what shifts and what changes and how we navigate that. So I think there's a lot of reflection that is that uh, we should be involved in. Um, and I think just the other piece that gives me the greatest hope is that we, in that head, heart, and hand space, that we elevate ourselves to what is our role, moral purpose, as educators in a nation. And I think of Suzanne Plout's book about giving people access to a democracy. And I don't care if you're six years old or 16 years old. How do we provide the opportunity, the critical thinking, the literacy, the compassion, the humanity that allows us to coexist in a democracy in a way that I do not think we're doing as effectively today? We're on the hinge of that, right? We're on. We're right on the cusp of maybe thinking differently about our purpose there as well. So those are my hopes as I think about this next year. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for your time today and just offering so much of your thinking. You know, as Mm -hmm. you're sharing your vision for the 2021 school year, I was envisioning our next conversation. Um, (laughs) Which we'll have. (laughs) Yes, we will. I think we're going to have to schedule another one of these Mm -hmm. uh, interviews. podcast conversations, just really thinking about the ways in which we can foster the opportunity for all, each and every student. So thank you so much for your thinking today. Any last words as we wrap up? No, I I just share such appreciation for you, Michelle, bringing these conversations to the forefront and allowing all of us as educators to think with others, really thoughtful others in this space. So thank you for the opportunity. It's wonderful. Love talking with you. You're welcome, Scott. Take care. Yes, thanks. 
Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together bolstered your agency and understanding. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Wendy Ward Hoffer's newest book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.